If you're looking to see how legends are made, well, by golly, you came to the right place. No, not because I'm here, but because my guest is a legend in every sense of the word, and he is the perfect person to talk sports with, to talk sports casting with, and to talk life with in general. His name is Leo Peckinpah. Many of you probably remember him as a football standout for Henderson County High School and later Western Kentucky University. Others may remember him as the former voice of the Henderson County Football Colonels for 27 years or perhaps the 18-year color commentator for the WKU Hilltoppers on the Big Red Radio Network. And a fraction of you, a hefty fraction at that, may also remember him from his days teaching in the Henderson County school system. But however you remember him, no doubt you remember him fondly. And we're going to talk with him about his experiences behind the microphone, in the field of play, and we will get his advice for aspiring athletes. So pull up a seat, join us. The table will not be complete without you for Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Episode 9, Season 5. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Brooks to Bremen, Basket to Bedford, nobody but nobody blankets the bluegrass quite like we do here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass as we thoughtfully and faithfully explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the enchanting, eye-popping North Quail Motel in precious Henderson KY, and boy was I beyond thrilled to spend time via the phone with a man that I grew up listening to on the radio. As I told you at the top of the show, Leo Peckinpah spent a number of years as the play-by-play voice of the Henderson County Football Colonels, and he certainly brought the action to life for me, along with his sidekick in the booth, Henry Lackey, who is the former manager of the local radio station here in town, WSON. And those two had a lot of fun and shared a lot of laughs in the press box through the years. And that made it fun for us listeners following along over the airwaves. And Leo had a bunch of great stories for me. I think we could have gone on another hour or so if we needed to. And we will go on another hour at some point. I'll have him back on here. But for now, plenty to enjoy as far as Leo's reflection of his playing days, his broadcasting days, and uh, he was inducted into the WKU Athletic Hall of Fame in 2001, rightfully so, very well deserved, and I will tell you that I was privileged to have Leo's wife, Marietta, as a teacher my senior year of high school. Really enjoyed her class 
Wasn't lucky enough to have Leo for a teacher, but I know that uh, I would have had a lot of fun and learned a lot in any of his classes as well. But, uh, hey, one out of two ain't bad, right? At least I was blessed to have Marietta. So don't miss an instant of my conversation with Leo. It is coming your way in just a few shakes, but before we get there, yep, you guessed it. I have another bluegrass brain buster, hot off the press and ready for your ears. My goal is to bring you one of these at the beginning of each and every program, so we'll give you the question now. You can think on it while you listen to me and Leo blab, and we will reveal the answer at the conclusion of today's program. So, Kentucky, it is a fact, we have the largest elk population by far in the eastern United States. I want to know, what is Kentucky's approximate elk population? Again, it is a fact that we in Kentucky have the largest elk population by far in the eastern United States. I want to know, approximately, what is Kentucky's elk population? So, you brainstorm, but not too hard. You don't want to miss anything that Leo has to say, and we will let you know the approximate answer in the program's final segment. Good luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Right here on my phone line is a legend in the world of Henderson County Colonel Sports and WKU Hilltopper Sports. He is a former quarterback at uh, both of those proud schools, has enjoyed uh, a fabulous career behind the microphone as a sportscaster for both the Colonels and the Hilltoppers. He is a proud Hall of Fame member in the uh, WKU Hall of Fame. And uh, to boot, he is a former educator in the Henderson County school system, which is to be commended. But today we're going to focus uh, mainly on the world of sports that he enjoyed as um, a sportscaster and a proud sports brother and sports daddy. So let's welcome to the stage none other than Mr. Leo Peckinpah. Sam, it's great to be with you, partner. Well, it's great to have you, and uh, I tell you, you are on your way back, I know, from New Jersey visiting the grandchildren, or at least a few of them. Yeah, a couple of uh, grandsons was from my daughter Lacey uh, and her husband Phil, and uh, young youngsters, one is seven, the other one five, and uh, we always, uh, you know, really set opportunity. We wish they were just a little bit closer to Kentucky, but... Uh, New Jersey is a good state to visit, and of course, it's right across the river from uh, the uh, the city, New York. The Big Apple, yes, indeed. So a, a great uh, spot to sort of get away and catch up with family. And uh, Leo's riding shotgun, folks, so he's got plenty of time to uh, chat with me about uh, <laughs> WKU yeah, sports. Yeah, Mama's driving, Marietta. She just took over, so we we can we can have at it, okay? There we go. Yeah, we can have us a bunch of fun, and that's <laughs> that's the way I like it. So you've got um, grandkids kind of scattered about all over the place, and for those who might have lost track of you since you retired, sir, uh, give us sort of a synopsis of what's keeping you off the couch during your retirement years, in addition to all those grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'm, we're, my wife and I are both active, uh, you know, we're, you, you work all your life, and we're not sit-on-the-couch type people, and 
um, you know, kind of do my own gig every day. I read, a, you know, read a lot of sports stuff and uh, keep up with the toppers, of course, and the kernel programs out there. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, things are pretty daggone good. There you go. <laughs> I had a guy one time tell me the best part about retirement is, you know, you do what you want, when you want, if you want. <laughs> And that's uh, that. That would be a great motto to go by. I, I, I could follow that one pretty close. Yes, indeed. And you still are a uh, WKU season ticket holder, I know. And um... I, yeah, I, I am. And uh, got down to see him play five or six times this year. We also went on a couple of road trips. I went up to the Army game. Uh, Marietta and I did, and uh, took that in. That's just a tremendous experience. Uh, Tops had played up there about five years ago, and that Hudson River Valley and the the, uh, the setting is just incredible. The it sits on the side of the mountain up there, and uh, all that tradition that, that you have with the cadets. And then uh, also got to see the tops in the uh, conference championship game. Didn't get the results that we wanted, but my son Wes treated me. He lives out in Dallas, and Wes, of course, a former Colonel quarterback, and sure. played a year at WKU, and uh, he. Uh, invited dad down for a, a guy's weekend and we went down to the alamo dome and uh, took in the uh the game against utsa it was a conference championship game. yeah that was a fun one didn't didn't quite work out the the right way like you said but it's always uh good to get to the lone star state of course leo graduated back in 1974 and boy yeah uh, that campus has grown leaps and bounds since then hadn't it i, I just you know you almost have to see it to believe it, and it's hard to describe to folks that, you know, like me maybe that graduated, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And, um, yeah, it's it's amazing what Dr. Gary Ransdale did, the, the, the transition and the, the growth, the, the student growth and everything that he did there. And um, and they, they followed that uh, blueprint. Uh, it's still, you know, beautiful dorms and things going up everywhere that it has that uh, red brick uh, you know exterior to it which adds a lot uh, there on the hill and uh, it's sure. uh, of course I'm a little bit prejudiced but it's a, it's a beautiful place to go back to well I'm a little biased too because that's my alma mater and uh, Absolutely. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm always proud to welcome fellow hilltoppers to the show now you uh, would grow to become a fierce force uh, not only on the football field but also on the baseball diamond, Leo. So tell me how you initially acquired the uh, confidence and the skills to excel in the realm of sports. You know, I uh, grew up a sports junkie. I lived so far out in the country. Um, um, I didn't have the luxury of having many guys to, to team up with and play. And I, I, I spent a lot of time out in my backyard batting rocks and stuff like that. <laughs> pretending like it was a World Series with the Cardinals or something. It, but, um, you know, played in the youth uh, sports leagues uh, there, there in town uh, on the PB League complex out on uh, Lincoln Avenue and, of course, up at Parkfield through Babe Ruth. And, and uh, started playing football in the eighth grade. That was the earliest uh, – we had actually the first elementary school football team back then, Niagara did, and the, the other schools did as well. So, uh, you know, kind of caught on to that and uh, was lucky enough to get to play, uh, you know, both in high school uh, as a quarterback and cornerback and uh, in football. And then I was a pitcher, pitcher outfielder in baseball. So, uh, uh, and with that, as I uh, progressed through high school, I uh, was lucky enough that um, – 
picked up a scholarship offer in football and then uh, from Coach Fikes. And then um, Coach Jim Pickens came up and watched me play that summer and said that uh, he'd love to have me, uh, you know, on the mound for the toppers in the spring. So uh, that was that was a real treat. It was a little bit awkward at times because uh, both coaches wanted a piece of you. And, of course, you, you only have <laughs> be in one place at one time right but but, uh, but it, it was a great experience uh, yes. i had a pretty nasty injury my first year in college uh, broke my tibia and fibula on my left leg and uh, so i had to go through a lot of rehab in the spring and, and didn't get to play baseball that year but then i followed oh, up a couple of years after that and got to play for coach pickens and of course uh, i was with football the whole time uh, red started that first year and then was lucky enough to start on the next four teams. On the next four teams. And, yes, how long was that recovery process? Because that sounds like a pretty painful injury you suffered your freshman year. Yeah, it was it was, it was, it was tough. Uh, it, it happened in a, in a scrimmage that uh, I was being redshirted uh, uh, anyway. And so every Monday, the, uh, the players that – Back then, all the players that did not see action on Saturday, uh, they had a, they had a scrimmage uh, there on the practice field, and and it was live, and it was uh, you know the offense against defense type thing. And um, my college roommate Lonnie Schuster, from who was a Henderson City High graduate, went on to be a, a tremendous defensive end for WKU. Uh, I ran an option play away from him. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing because it wasn't a lot of fun to it, but right. ran an option as I turned up field, he came crashing down and someone had a hold of my leg and he came right across it. And it wasn't as bad as Joe Theismann because it didn't go through the skin. But I want to tell you, it sounded like you were just snapping two two limbs off of a tree together. And, oh God! Um, yeah, I required some surgery, some significant surgery, but we had a great uh, orthopedic surgeon down there in those days and. Uh, uh, they got me patched up, and I actually got back in the spring. I was able to go through spring practice. Oh, gotcha. So <laughs> pretty pretty quick recovery considering what happened. And uh, speaking of Lon Schuster, I remember when um, his son played football for the Colonels. I guess he was Lon Schuster Jr., wasn't he? He sure was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they moved up here, uh, and, uh, yeah, they, they had a lot of fun with that. Yes, I can imagine. I know, <laughs> I know Lon's a – a proud dad, too. Now, um, in high school, as you uh, briefly mentioned, that's when you uh, sort of began to make a name for yourself, shall we say, as a quarterback uh, and cornerback for the Colonels. So uh, talk about some of the coaches and cohorts in your surroundings who uh, helped you to better yourself and uh, polish your craft during those high school years. Well, the, the head coach back then uh, in the late 60s, which, of course, was the legendary Mojo Hollowell, and uh, I learned a lot about football and life with him. Uh, he's uh, he just a great, great person to go along with, uh, and I guess probably his strongest trait as a coach, in my opinion, would have been uh, the, the way he taught um, discipline. Um, sure. Both on and off the field, and uh, blocking and tackling was uh, was uh, was the main gig in practice, especially in the preseason. So, you know, just a greater uh, debt of gratitude to him. He left uh, my junior year 
uh, for greener pastures. And then uh, one of the assistants, Pascal Benson, who still lives there on Main Street in Anderson, uh, oh, sure. was, was, my, was my coach my second two years. And so uh, so we had a lot of fun playing for him. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, he helped open up some doors collegiately and uh, got out of some colleges. And uh, so, uh, but um, never was much doubt uh, where, you know, where I was going to end up because I was a big Topper fan. And, gotcha. uh, and, and when you got Coach Fikes from Henderson, uh, you know, his brother Al Jay was a freshman coach when I was playing there County High. And uh, But anyway, that, that was uh, fond memories there. It, uh, it, it, it brings back. High school years, I know, are some of the most important ones. And Mojo, after uh, your first two years playing for the Colonels, he left, like you said, and he went to Owensboro, didn't he? Well, he, at first, uh, he, he coached at a couple of other venues. Uh, he actually went to Indianapolis when he left Henderson and started up a program at John Marshall High School. And uh, I, he was there maybe three or four years. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, as things twisted and turned, he ended up coming back and, uh, you know, had a, just a great run there at Henderson County High School his second time through. And, uh, you know, took a team to the state championship. My brother quarterbacked that team. So, uh, yes. Mojo, Mojo, Mojo was a winner, I tell you. He won everywhere he was. Absolutely. And uh, the great Terry Peckinpah was indeed in the uh, state title game. That was 1976, wasn't it, Leo? It was. That's it what was. I thought. That, was the, that, that was the year after the city-county merger. Uh, you know, Henderson City, um, they were having some financial issues and uh, – they petitioned and uh, they joined hands with the high school out there at uh, Henderson County High School. And uh, just a quick little story behind that merger. Both those teams were coming off real good football years the year before, and they both were loaded and had a lot of talent, some of the best talent they'd ever had. And you put those two squads together, Mojo did a great job of blending it together. And keep in mind, these kids – the city kids and then the county kids grew up to be bitter enemies. You know, they're in the same town, uh, turf battle. Uh, and uh, so, it, it, you know, I can't imagine, you know, how tough it was uh, bringing this team together as Coach Hollowell did because uh, they didn't like each other, you know. And, no. <laughs> uh, so so they, they, they had some, some issues there, but, man, it uh, – I mean, he uh, ended up being just a tremendous year, obviously, when you get to the state championship, and it was one of the all-time classic uh, state title uh, championships, 28-24, the legendary program, local trinity there in Louisville, ended up squeaking past the Colonels in just a classic game there at uh, Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington. Yes, indeed, and uh, I think I remember Dad telling me about that. I'm pretty sure he was there. It was snowing during the game, wasn't it? It, it, it had snowed about, I'd say, four or five inches the night before. Oh, and, of gotcha. course, they didn't have the technology up there then as far as field maintenance and stuff, so there was still a little bit of snow lingering. The fans are the ones that suffered because <laughs> the Colonel fans, they, they put them on the side where all the snow was. And, oh, and the other, <laughs> evil. The other, side was clean, yeah, the other side was cleaned off, so... That didn't set too well. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, those were, uh, 
Oh yeah, the, a real close runner-up. Nothing to, nothing to sneeze at at all. But anyhow, um, as you progressed through high school, you said it was never in doubt that that you were going to become a hilltopper. But uh, just out of curiosity, what were some of the other schools that uh, expressed interest in you and recruited you a little bit? I visited Vanderbilt and uh, Murray State, um, uh, Eastern Kentucky. Um, and that was about it. I, I, I'd made the rounds. I, I you know, kind of knew. And then uh, Lonnie and I both uh, went together to our official visit in Bowling Green and uh, pretty much announced while we were there that we were going to accept their offers to, to play there. And um, so uh, just kind of took the drama out of it. And, you know, I... Right. Yeah, that, it, it was it, it was a pretty easy choice for both of us. Yeah, so even though you went to a few other visits, you you knew in your heart where uh, you were going to ultimately end up. Now, um, while at Western, like you said, you had the privilege of playing under Coach Fikes, who was also a, a Henderson native, and that was uh, a big selling point for you to come to the hill. So, talk about uh, what it was like to be a part of Coach Fike's team along with some of the most valuable lessons you learned from him? Well, I'll, you know, first, um, I mean, Coach Fikes was the first, uh, I, well, I know he was the first quarterback and maybe the first offensive player um, that was named to an All-American team. He was an All-American quarterback in 1952 and, and got a shot at professional football and then suffered a pretty significant injury. So, you know, he, he, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, he knew the game, um, uh, uh, a lot of Hollowell traits. Uh, there was one way to do things. That was the right way. And he was uh, just a, a, a tremendous gentleman. Always said he taught in us, instilled in us, was always, you didn't have to like, but you always had to respect your opponent. Um, and uh, just a class act, uh, a lot of character and very, very, um, fierce competitor as well he surrounded himself with uh, an amazing staff three coaches on my staff went on to coach professionally uh, in the oh. nfl and uh and they made their way through collegiate football and ended up coaching on sunday so uh, you know he attracted some good people down there it was kind of a starting place for some of those guys and uh I want to tell you those. Uh, you may have heard these old stories about some of the other coaches that the, the games were easier compared to practice. You, know, you could you could you could pretty well say that down there. Practices were <laughs> highly organized, short considering today's principles and the fact that we never went over two hours. Uh, sometimes not even that long. Right. But you didn't sit down and you didn't quit moving the whole time. It was. It was uh, very, very organized, and uh, a lot of um, a lot of emotions, a lot of enthusiasm, and uh, uh, a, a very, very good situation. Yes, indeed. And I imagine the uh, <laughs> the the most dreadful practices, even though they all paid off. But I'm sure the most dreadful practices were probably those late summer drills in August. August was a bear. I'll, I'll assure you that. And, Unlike they do now, you know, kids didn't stay down there, or athletes didn't, or at least they very seldom stayed on campus. They, you know, they went home for the summer, and the university or the the uh, football office would send you uh, 
a packet of uh, drills that they wanted you to do at home. So that's the big difference in now, whereas just, you know, all the athletes now in football in particular, they never leave there hardly during the, during the, uh, the calendar year other than just for, you know, holidays, vacations, sure. stuff like that. Yeah, so they're pretty much there all summer long. Back on Coach Fox. They got you, partner. <laughs> yeah, they got you. That's <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, back on Coach Vikes, he was uh, the uh, the winningest football coach in uh, WKU football history. Still holds that title, and uh, he actually would ultimately become uh, an athletic director afterwards, wouldn't he? Yeah, he was uh, he was AD there at Western, um, and uh, you know uh, enjoyed a career there. It wasn't as long as his coaching career, but. Uh, you know, again, his organization principles, and uh, he always did things the right way. Uh, he was the man for the job, did a good job there. Yes, indeed, and we lost him just a few years ago, so God rest his soul. But anyhow, uh, while you were a player down there at uh, Western Leo, you led the tops at quarterback to uh, an impressive record of 35 wins, seven losses, and one tie, so not too shabby. Why don't you... Uh, Take us through some of the games and moments that uh, really hold a special spot in your heart and uh, tell us what made these so magical. Well, I mean, what stands out is winning. Sure. <laughs> uh, we, we had, you know, we had a lot of success, very fortunate there, and uh, won three OVC championships, uh, played in the national championship the very first collegiate national championship uh in 1973 out at uh, sacramento california the toppers played in that game i was uh, not uh, eligible that game due to it was a kind of a crazy rule they put in back then. i was registered that first year right and then the ncaa during my tenure there put in a rule that you were only eligible for four years of postseason play well that was my fifth year so i got to play the whole 10 game schedule but was notified the week before the playoffs that sorry you're not, you're not eligible and um, oh gosh lonnie that had to be a bummer and, and lonnie schuster who was the an all-conference defensive tackle because we just talked about him same way with him he didn't get to play so there were four of us there were two middle linebackers, two starting middle linebackers. Lonnie was the uh, candidate for player of the year in the OVC and the first team all-conference player. And then myself, the quarterback, we none of us got to play in that playoff situation. But they did win the first two games. Uh, played Lehigh at home the first game. Got a win there over a, a, a team that was very good. They had a Atlanta Falcons-type uh, quarterback who played with the Falcons several years Kim McQuilkin, quarterback of that team, and uh, we won that game, and then we went to Grambling and played down in Louisiana, and uh, we we're a huge underdog and got a win there uh, over the uh, infamous Eddie Robinson, uh, oh. uh, that that team. So, uh, but then um, didn't have you know quite as much luck out in California. Played a really good Louisiana Tech team, and Toppers came up short in the championship game. But it was uh, it was it was uh, you know. Couldn't have drawn it up much better. You know? No, and, uh, yeah. I, I, unfortunate piece that the four of us didn't get to play. But you know, we knew going in, you know what 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 it was going to be like. We we knew even a week or two out before if we got in the playoffs that 
So um, uh, as painful as it was, at least we, it, it didn't just blindside us. Exactly, yeah. But it was too bad that, uh, you know, the four of you didn't get to partake, but at least the team made a, a solid run. And I'm guessing... Yeah, and I wanted, yeah, and I wanted to tell you, Timmy, sorry to cut you short. No, you're we, fine. That team, arguably, and, and in my, it's, it, I don't think it's arguably, that, that was the greatest defensive team in WKU history. They only gave up six points a game mm. and like seven shutouts that season God. five guys that went to the NFL in one form or fashion either either by you know getting a a, a, a drink in the NFL uh, for a year or so or, or or years experience in the NFL but very very talented team and uh, yeah how they then when we scrimmaged in the, the preseason in the camp a lot of most days they gave us a pretty good butt kick, if you know what I mean. I mean they, <laughs> oh, but, you played uh, against them in practice. You, you know, it, it, it made you better. Um, they had a tremendous secondary, um, of just a fierce defensive line, and um, sure. yeah, we uh, we uh, Coach Fikes told us a lot of times. Uh, my uh, third, fourth year there, junior and senior years, uh, uh, just don't turn the darn ball over because they'll get it back to us in great field position. Exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> they forced a lot of punts, and if if you scored on that D, by golly, you earned it. <laughs> you were doing something, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, so we are forcing it, too, in the fact that just this past season, uh, they had uh, a reunion of those 70 and 71 teams down there in Bowling Green, so a lot of those guys that played through those championships were down, and uh, – a lot of us hadn't seen each other even since we played back in the 70s. So that was, uh, I needed to add that in there. That was uh, just a great thrill to see a lot of my former teammates. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I know it was a, a tight group. And being in the OVC, I'm guessing uh, the teams you hated the most were probably Eastern and Murray, correct? <laughs> well, you, you guessed it. Um, you know, I had a little pressure to go to Murray. Uh Bill Ferguson was a really good coach over there. They threw the ball around a little bit more than Coach Fikes did. But, right. um, but um, yeah, uh, our guys all, you know, they, we, they, a lot of them reminded us when we came back down there for those reunions. The four years that we played as a group, uh, we never lost a game to a Kentucky team. Eastern, uh Murray, Moorhead, uh, and only lost four, uh, five OVC games in those four years. So we had a good run there. There you go. So you had the <laughs> you had the Commonwealth rivals number, shall we say, which was <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Now to supplement your time and devotion to uh, Topper football, you were also for the WKU baseball team, and you know dual sport athletes are. Pretty few and far between these days. So uh, what, in your mind, were the biggest challenges of trying to juggle two sports as a as a student-athlete? Well, the big thing I know that, that I found out uh, was uh, the difference in high school and college. You learned that in baseball real quick because that ball came in there a lot faster when you were batting and you were thrown against guys that uh, – you know, I had the quick bats and uh, were very talented. So uh, it, it was a it was a huge adjustment um, from making the high school jump to that. You know, and as I told you, I set out the first year with a broken leg. And right. Came came back the next year 
uh, and it was a real treat to, to get to do that. Uh, but uh, boy, it was a it was a, a big eye opener when you went out there and and uh, had to go against some of those guys in practice and on the game field. Oh sure, and you, uh, gosh, there there wasn't uh, there wasn't much of a window there between the uh, end of football season and start of baseball season, was there? <laughs> you you got that right. You didn't have a lot of time off. So. No, <laughs> but, uh, but but you know, but when you love the game, um, you know it's it's you know it's you you have to sacrifice. You have to uh, you got to work hard in practice, especially you know during those two hours that you're out there every day, but. Uh, you know, if you if you like the game, it's just not so much like work. Now, today's today, I think probably is a little bit different because of the expectations they have on the student athletes. They they've got you pretty much the whole whole year, and uh, it, it it's just it's a real real big difference with our kids down there now with the with the weight training element. They had just started back in the mid '60s weight training. Uh, when I was in high school, and it, it looked nothing like it does now. As a matter of fact, I did very little weight training uh, in high school, um, but uh, that really kind of got going uh, maybe in the early to, to mid-70s is when the, the, the strength programs really okay. So shortly after you left. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so like you said, with the, with the demands uh, – as far as weightlifting and stuff, and, and and the time constraints too, it's harder and harder to to um, juggle two yeah, sports. It is, and you know, and, and, and that goes, you know, and balancing your time. I mean, because you you got classes in between all that stuff. So I mean, these guys today, I, I'm telling you, they uh, and you know this, it's just, and this is overlooked sometimes. Um, you know, they get all the glory and everything uh, through the media and. Uh, uh, and, and such, but uh, it's it's a job. I mean, it, it literally is. You know, uh, oh, yeah. they kind of own you, and there's there's a, there's a lot of expectations. And they have to maintain a certain GPA and all that fun stuff. So yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, they're yeah, but uh, the, the, but the plus side of that too is there's a lot more academic assistance now as as opposed to back in the day when we were there. And uh, so sure. uh, they, these, these guys get a chance to take care of that. And, you know, with those kids being there, the male and female athletes, you know, for the most part, most of the year, they're able to get an undergraduate degree in the first three years of there. Most of these kids are working on master's and doctorate degrees before they leave, or they have both. So there, there is a, there is a, you know, a plus shot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And with all the college classes you can take in high school these days, a lot of them get an early start. Now, upon uh, returning to Henderson uh, from the Hill, shortly thereafter, you became an educator in the school system for many years. And while you were doing that, you were the uh, play-by-play voice of the Henderson County Colonels. That started in... 76 and uh went all the way through 2002 correct you're right you yeah. did your homework didn't you well <laughs> i fake it till i make it but <laughs> but anyhow sir uh, you uh you were alongside the uh station manager of wson at the time henry lackey and so tell us sir what um what sparked your interest in broadcasting and uh, what ultimately uh led you to the press box sir 
Well, you know, I was a journalism slash communications major uh, at Western, uh, and I've had a uh, dabbling in radio and TV um, classes. I guess this is the best word, to, to, the way to put it. And uh, also, sports editor of the College Heights Herald while I was there for a couple of years. And so, so you know, I had that uh, the, you know the the journalism was there. Uh, and then when I came back, I was actually sports editor. My first job out of college was was I was sports editor of the Gleaner for I guess three years maybe. Oh um, yeah, that's true. And uh, so um, you know, it really enjoyed that. And then uh, got um, uh, when the merger came about. Um, you know, they prior to the merger, WSON would bounce back and forth. They had a sister station, and they do. City high games on one, county high games on the other. Um, oh, gotcha. And uh, so Henry Henry came on the scene, um, got involved in the uh, management of the radio station, and uh, reached out to me uh, there in 1975 the, uh, for the opportunity. I did a postseason game um, with a gentleman named Curtis Hart, who was working at WKDQ at the time. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of took off from there. We did the last game uh, in the history of City High School. They played uh, it was Franklin Simpson High School out there at Baird Stadium. Oh. And uh, so I got a little taste of it. And then Henry uh, offered me the position uh, after the season was over and uh, just kind of took it from there. Uh, but, uh, you know, how, how fortunate uh, was I to to, to be in that role. It was just a great time. Yeah, a great time. And uh, you spent 27 years there. It all started with a, a City High Flash game. Boy, I, could, I wish I could have been a, a, a fly on the wall for some of those uh, City High, County High games. I've heard all kinds of stories about that rivalry. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, 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 both teams had the parades uh, the night before the game. And that was spirited. And uh, there was a few... A few rotten eggs thrown at cars and stuff, and uh, I won't, I, no telling what else. We probably don't need to talk about it. Uh, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, but it was fierce. I mean, it, it was absolutely. Um, uh, my, my wife, uh, Marietta, as I mentioned, sitting with me. She went to City High. I didn't even know her in high school until after the, uh, the football season was over, and uh, they had all types of. Uh, Oh, things on the pictures and banners and things hanging in the lobby and through the school over there at the old uh, city high school. And right. Uh, her favorite one, the one that she chipped in, was uh, Leo has B.O. Leo has B.O. <laughs> yeah. Now, Marietta West, and now Marietta Peckinpah, I never knew who she was until after the first semester, but um, I really didn't know how to take it when she broke the news to me that she was the one that was responsible for that sign hanging in the lobby. Oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> Little did she know that uh, she would eventually become your wife. But <laughs> How about that? You know, life takes you in uh, a lot of different directions. I'm Perhaps. telling you, the, the Lord mar the Lord works in mysterious ways. And uh, Marietta went to Western same time you did too, didn't she? She did. She was, um, uh, yes. And uh, well, she was a cheerleader over there too at City High. And her and her sister both, Sharon West, and, 
who now is my bride. And uh, so, yeah, fun times. Uh, so, you know, we got to, we hooked up together, um, got to seeing each other a little bit after Christmas that year. And then uh, next thing you know, we're headed down to Bowling Green. And, uh, there you go. And then uh, things just happened. So. <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Leo, as, as voice of the Cardinals, you had the unique opportunity. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, you had the the unique opportunity to call plays that were made by some beloved relatives. First, it was your younger brother, Terry, and later it was your two sons, Wes and Trey. So uh, describe the honorable experience of calling plays for uh, the radio audience that were uh, made by your family members. Well, how lucky can a guy get? I mean, when, you, when you're when all when you get your brother, uh, who quarterback the greatest team in Henderson County High School history um, there at Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, you were, you know, I'm up there in the booth doing his games and uh, just just a great thrill. They took us through a a 13-game uh, winning streak during the season to get to that championship game. And Terry uh, got sick with mono that year and had to battle his way through that. He missed uh, a handful of games, but then he got back in time playoffs and, and uh, you know took them to the glory land and that that game by the way too that uh, just for uh talking about history sure i have friends former players of mine that played at trinity and people that i've that i know have bumped into down through the years they say to this day that that was probably the greatest local trinity team in the history of that school and they only and beat County by four. 28-24. <laughs> and uh, caught a couple of huge breaks to win the game. I won't bore you with all that, but it was just a knockdown drag out. And they literally, literally, it was such a fierce game. They literally squared off at midfield before it was over and had to be separated. They were both fierce competitors. And uh, the <laughs> Colonels didn't want to lose. And, they let Trinity know it that day, but uh, what a day that was! And then, yeah, my two sons, uh, Trey uh, and Wes, uh, you know, both 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 were, uh, you know, quarterbacks for the, the Colonels. Uh, sure. Both were Tom Duffy years, and uh, and both um, had undefeated senior seasons, regular seasons. So, so Terry uh, went through an undefeated season, regular season. Uh, Trey uh, undefeated. And Wes, they went undefeated. And uh, they asked me a lot, what was your record your senior year in high school? <laughs> I have to kind of just mumble out, we were three and seven. Oh, so, <laughs> I guess they got the bragging rights there. Yeah, they had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> they had a lot of fun. But that's great, though, that they were both able to enjoy undefeated seasons their senior year. And they, uh, they both got beat by uh, Louisville teams in the end, didn't they? Yeah, Mayo, Mayo beat uh, uh, West Virginia year. Um, I, I would, you know, I know a little bit about this because I've, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of Colonel teams down through the years, and that was uh, 02 season uh, where West was quarterback. Um, that team, uh, without a doubt, was probably the second best team in the Colonel history. Uh, loaded, but you know, had a handful of guys that went on to to play collegiately and. Uh, just they, they just they they cruised through the regular season and just nobody could even challenge them and then um, 
had a great run, and then they ran into a team up in Louisville. That, uh, you have uh, a guy by the name of Michael Bush. I'm sure you've heard that name. Oh, yeah, Slater UofL standout. <laughs> you got it. And uh, he, uh, that was just a little bit too much for him. But a uh, great run. They ended up winning. I think thirteen games and lost in the state semifinals. Yeah, that's a that's a great ride. And yeah, if it's not manual, it's male. If it's not male, it's Saint X. It's you know, that's just such a a hotbed of athletes up there. It really is. It really is. <laughs> in Louisville, but anyway, in addition to your uh, your extensive high school uh, sports casting resume, yeah. Uh, in two thousand three, you joined the college booth, and you would spend eighteen consecutive seasons as the color commentator for Hilltopper football on the Big Red Radio Network. And, of course, you spent most of those with the current voice of the tops, Randy Lee. So uh, talk about what it was like to spend game day with uh, with Randy Lee and share that experience with him. Well, it's, uh, again, I'm uh, just fortunate. I mean, to be in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, I've thanked him already, but uh, Darren Steenbergen, who uh, was the president of Commonwealth Communications, uh, uh, called one day and wanted to visit with me up in Henderson. And uh, I, I didn't have a clue who he was. I knew what he did. But uh, so he and uh, a young fellow by the name of Mike Legg, at that time Mike was the uh, was the voice of the Toppers for like four years there. And oh, Mike yeah, before worked, Randy. Yeah, Mike and I worked three years together, old. The uh, Toppers won the national championship in 02, uh, and then uh, under Jack Harbaugh, and then uh, uh, during the winter, uh, or actually during the spring, they uh, they came up and we sat down, and uh, I was offered the job, and it took me about two seconds to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't need much and, thinking, uh, did you? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so when Randy came along in about 07, I'm thinking, 06. Yeah, that 07, sounds about right. And uh, he had been at, uh, he worked in minor league baseball and uh, some, some, uh, some small college uh, sports out on the West Coast. And then he uh, got a job at the University of Nebraska, worked there as a as an analyst. And then the, the voice of their, their women's uh, basketball program. So he came in and we hooked up and we were lucky enough to be together, I guess it's 15 years. And uh great guy well, just a dear friend one of my best friends now and taught me a, a lot about uh, broadcasting um, you know you, after I'd done it all those years you, you know there, there's always a better way to do things and we I, we just kind of blended uh, we have a lot of fun up there while we're doing the game uh, oh yeah um, and um, yeah just just very very fortunate to, lucky enough to go through some championship seasons with the toppers and got to see a lot of professional players come through uh, and play on Jimmy Fike's field down there. Now here's my next question. Did you ever have to toss Randy Leah Toms? <laughs> there were probably some times I should have, okay? <laughs> this, this, this dude gets worked up now, I want to tell you. And, uh, <laughs> I know he was hurting after the game. So, but, but uh, that's a classic. Uh, that, that, that's a classic ending there, you know. And uh, yeah. so he's dear, dear friend. He's still going, and um, uh, just um, had a big time with him. And, and uh, again, just very, very professional. Um, uh, never been in involved in uh, any type of sports broadcasting 
I've done a few of those little odd, odd jobs and things uh, where I've been anybody, been around anybody that was uh, more organized when he when he goes on the air uh, doing uh, top of football and top of basketball because this guy he uh, he really really it's his life. He loves what he's doing. He's got a great passion. And oh, spends yeah. a ton, a ton of time. It, it shows on his broadcast. Yes, you can definitely tell he's prepared. But for, for those of you that haven't listened to Randy yet, for one, you need to because that's a uh, that you know that that's one of his catchphrases. Somebody toss me a time, and of course the other is holy moly. There you go. There you go. Those are, those are his trademarks. Those and, uh, are his trademarks. And when the toppers win, it's uh, you can open up the gates and let the ushers in. Yes, that's another one. Toppers, yeah. toppers, toppers. <laughs> Won this game. So he's still going strong, and uh, we we tweet and talk uh, two or three times a week. And uh, I, you know, I listen to him on uh, some some games that are not uh, televised, and uh, it's a real treat. Oh yeah, always always fun to listen to Randy. Now, while you were Randy's color guy, the two of you handled uh, broadcasts from uh, a number of different stadiums so i was just curious uh, aside from lt smith stadium in bowling green what were your favorite stadiums to to broadcast games and what made those venues so attractive well i would say you know we you know wk you have they have to play those what i call money games uh, which is uh, which is typically a an SEC or a Big Ten team, right? A Power Five. And, uh, you know, we we played Bama. We played. We and of course Randy and I got to do the game. We did Bama. We did Auburn. We went to Florida, Georgia, LSU, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. Played most of them. Kentucky three times. Right. Uh, there is no atmosphere pregame uh, that, in my opinion, matches. And this is almost a tie. Uh, sure. LSU and Alabama, they, they just have the passion, uh, of course, in those two fan bases, and they project that in the stadium as they're getting ready for the game. When the teams come out on the field after going in for their last-minute uh, assignments or whatever, it's it's amazing. It, it's just totally amazing. So th- th- those are big treats for us. Uh we actually, oh, I'd probably need my notes here to, to, to pinpoint the year. It's been about 10 years ago. We, we went to Bama one week when Willie Taggart was our coach, and uh, we battled them on even terms for three quarters, for goodness sakes. Now, I think we were down 10 going into the fourth quarter, but, uh, uh, you know, that things like that that, yeah. that you recall when you know they were it, it's, it's just a big deal absolutely and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just it's hard to describe it. yeah but when you're only down by 10 going into the fourth quarter at bama that's that's really saying something and of course uh, who could forget that wild game in uh, 2012 even being a kentucky fan i will talk about it when when western came to kentucky and uh, won the game on a two-point conversion in overtime that you know, people ask me what what was your what was your favorite game, um, and man, that that one probably <laughs> that, that, that had to be right up there. That, yeah, well, it, it, it without a question, it did. We we won a couple of conference championships in the last seven or eight years. You know, been to 
I think we did eight bowl games in my tenure there over those years. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that game there, uh, it, it was a big deal. But number one, it was the first SEC team that WKU had ever beaten in football. And then the dramatics of it and the way it ended, we had a quarterback, K1 Jakes, uh, who'd had a good game, but the toppers were out of gas. It was a late August game. Uh, that game went was about ready to go into overtime, and Coach Taggart uh, called up one of those trick plays where uh, Antonio Andrews, who went on to play for the Falcons, not the Falcons, but the Titans, and uh, he also played uh, uh, with a couple other NFL teams. He was our running back that year. Right. And uh, K1 took the snap and he pitched the ball to his right to Antonio Andrews, and he he, he, he he tossed it to him. Andrews took about three steps to his right. The defense thinking it was going to be a sweep. He throws the ball back across the field to Jakes, who just walked into the end zone uh, oh. for the touchdown. <laughs> so I always call it Jakes to Andrews to Jakes for the win. And a little side note, Wes, my, my son, who I just talked about, a huge Topper fan, he, he went to school there. Right. He had found his way down to the sideline on the Topper side and has found his way near the end zone when that play was being ran. And when Jake scored the touchdown, he spiked the ball. It came right toward Wes. Wes picks the game ball up, <laughs> is running up the sideline. He thought he had him a souvenir. Halfway up the sideline, as he went behind the Kentucky bench, the security guards grabbed him and said, give us that ball back. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, God. He, and he nearly had a really neat memento right there. But, uh, he was mad. And I hope it's the only time he ever got caught stealing that. <laughs> he still had some speed, it sounds like. <laughs> he did. He did. And, um, we... We had a little video of this. It was taped a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. It it was a classic. So I guess I stand corrected. That Kentucky-Western game actually ended in regulation before it got to overtime. Sure did. Sure did. And I I guess when I pause there to reflect back, that was the greatest win uh, just because of, you know, who it was and Big Brother, you know, you're playing Big Brother. Right. Um, and, but, uh, when WKU went to Marshall and took on the Thundering Herd for the conference championship, this was a Brandon Dowdy year. This would be like 2013 or 14. And uh, the Toppers won that game. 67 to 66 in triple overtime. Oh, shootout. And, and I have never, ever set through um, a game that had so many twists and turns and so many lead changes. And uh, the Toppers won that on a on a throw by Dowdy. Of course, Brandon played for the – he got a cup of coffee with the Miami Dolphins and was drafted. Uh, sure. But he made just a spectacular throw into the corner of the end zone to – the toppers and Marshall fans and, and Marshall is a big rival for WKU now uh, and um, their fans to this day just absolutely despise WKU that they they were hard they were 13 and 0 ready to head to a New Year's Six Bowl game if they'd have won that game 
and uh, so there was there was a whole lot at stake. And then, uh, but it was a, it was a it really stands out as a just a heck of a game. Yes, indeed, sixty-seven to sixty-six. That's normally a basketball score, but <laughs> no question. There's a lot of nice. I've seen teams that wish they could score sixty-seven. Yeah, no kidding. Right? <laughs> a lot of teams, <laughs> a lot of teams don't get there. Well, this has uh, been so much fun. I've sure enjoyed reliving all these memories with you. Now, last but not least, if uh, if you can offer some words to the wise for aspiring athletes that you wish a young Leo Peckinpah would have heard back in the day, uh, what would they be, sir? Listen to your coaches. Um, do things the right way. Um, and as I told my kids, just make good decisions. You know, right. uh, everything else will take care of itself. Um, and that, that's pretty much a life lesson as well, the way we lived it around our house. And, uh, and, uh, and being respectful to uh, those who... Uh, mentor and coach you uh, so yeah that's that's kind of it that's, yeah just respect your elders there. and <laughs> no question <laughs> they're all there for a reason whether they're coaches or teachers what have you so uh give them the the respect they deserve well thanks so much leo this has been a blast i hope you've enjoyed it uh it's it has absolutely been a blast sam and uh, good luck to you and uh I really appreciate you having me on, okay? Well, not a problem, sir, and uh, safe travels, my friend. Okay. Nobody quite like Leo Peckinpah. So many great life's lessons to be learned from him. So many great stories to be shared by him. It would take multiple podcasts to hear them all. But we'll hear some more on down the line. And uh, like we told you, Leo, of course enjoying a well-deserved retirement these days. But his former partner in the WKU press box, Randy Lee, is still clicking on all cylinders. And you can catch Randy on play-by-play of Hilltopper football, basketball, and baseball games. The football-basketball action can be heard on WKLX 100.7 FM in Bowling Green, along with a number of other stations that comprise the Big Red Radio Network. You can check the WKU Athletics website for additional information and also be sure to snag those baseball affiliates so you're ready for the ball diamond, which that action has already started, but it's only going to heat up over the next few months. So make sure you're a part of it with Randy Lee. Boy, I sure loved visiting with Leo, in case you couldn't tell. And thanks to him for coming on with me today. Now, if you have suggestions, and I hope you do, for future guests, topics, maybe you've got a little-known fact about the Commonwealth that I could perhaps use on a future Bluegrass Brain Buster. Well, shoot me an email with that information. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Now, if you're new to the show, it does not have to be sports-related. We talk sports today, and I always enjoy doing so. But I can also talk restaurants. I love to eat, state parks, musicians. I always enjoy it when uh, musicians come on and sing and play for me. And I've had a number of guests do just that. So feel free to pass along any and all recommendations. I would more than welcome 
a message from you. So, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, our next show will come your way March 9th, next Wednesday. Don't you dare be late for that. But one more important piece of business to handle before we put the caps on this week's show, and that is revealing the answer to the Bluegrass Brain Buster from the beginning of the program, and we'll recap... Whether you realize it or not, Kentucky has the largest elk population by far in the eastern United States. And I asked you approximately what is Kentucky's elk population. Well, it's a little over 11,000. Yep, over 11,000 elk currently call the Commonwealth home. And that population is only projected to increase in years to come. Funny thing is, the elk was just reintroduced to Kentucky back in the 1990s. So it hadn't been that long, at least not the second time around for the elk. But yeah, 11,000, a little over 11,000 elk currently reside here in the bluegrass. So come on back next week for another bluegrass brain buster. In the meantime, don't forget to like and follow the Blabbit in the Bluegrass Facebook page where you can catch any and all of my previous episodes. You can stay up to date with teasers on future shows as they are presented. Make comments, leave messages, and we are now a part of five podcast directories. Yes, I have just added another. Of course, you can catch us, listen, and subscribe via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, and as of now... We are also on Wisdom. So for those of you who have the Wisdom app, you can catch us there. If you don't have it, you can download the app. That is a fifth avenue that you can enjoy blabbing in the bluegrass. So Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, and now Wisdom. And more to come, so stay tuned for updates. But check us out via those platforms and never miss a minute of blabbing in the bluegrass because I hate blabbing to myself. All right, so without you here, it ain't a show. And until we meet again, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.